doctors as almost demigods. You know, they're, they, they're, they're so smart. They've so accomplished. So they couldn't possibly have any issues of concern or problems. But what you're saying is that actually is that's not exactly it. I love to talk to people who help women to vibe to be more vibrant, intuitive, beautiful, and empowered in midlife. So come on, let's vibe. Uh, but two years post-pandemic, and it's amazing some of the things we're beginning to see pop up in our society. And one of them is burnout. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And whether you are actually a doctor, which we're going to be talking about right now in terms of what's going on with doctors and burnout, or a housemaker, or perhaps you are um, a teacher, whatever, Every all of us have experienced some emotional feelings, sometimes bordering on stress, anxiety, and burnout as the result of all the pressures of the pandemic. The question is, what can we do to be better? What can we do to move on from that? And that is exactly why we have with us today my guest, Dr. Stephanie Stoddard. Hi, Dr. Stoddard, how are you? I am doing well, thank you. How are you, my friend? I am doing great. And I'm so excited about what it is that you are doing. First of all, tell us a little bit about you and how uh, you decided that you wanted to help other doctors to live uh, a better life and to really manage their mind, body, spirit, wellness. Yes, of course. Happy to talk about it. So I am Stephanie. I am a dentist. I've been practicing for 10 years. I'm also a mom of three boys. So a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And on top of that, I am the primary breadwinner for my family. So um, my husband, he is a realtor. He does well too. But you know, the pressures of managing the household finances are pretty much on my shoulders, in addition to coupling that with being a full-time dentist and a full-time mom, a friend, a daughter, all the things that add on the list. Um, so yes, no wonder I burnt out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No wonder I burnt out. I didn't have the, um, the skill sets that I needed to manage all the things. And one of them I noticed was me not using my voice and asking for support. I just felt like I had to do it. I mean, yes, I can take on more. Why not? I can keep taking on more. Why not? Right? Because I'm strong and I'm capable. And I leaned into that instead of leaning into the support systems that have been around me for so long. Um, I think a part of that too, is the way I've been, I was raised, you know, we do it all as women. <laughs> And another twist in my story as well, too. I came from Jamaica um, to make it here in the U.S. And, you know, that comes with a whole host of other um, concerns as well, too. I'm here by myself and had to pave the way for myself. So really independent. So for me to ask for help, it felt like a sign of weakness. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why your message resonates with me is that I know that you're working in particular with doctors, but the same things that doctors are facing with handling multiple priorities are the same thing that women are doing as well. And I think the more we understand what's going on with the people around us, maybe a little bit more of an ability to extend grace to others. You know, I think that people have a tendency to look at doctors as almost demigods. You know, they're, they, they're, they're so smart. They've so accomplished. So they couldn't possibly have any issues of concern or problems. But what you're saying is that actually is that's not exactly it. You, you talk a lot about 
the good doctor syndrome. What is that? Yeah, so it's something that I came up with. Um, so first of all, you know, kind of what you said too, like, yeah, it, the doctor is like the sign of like, you've reached as the pinnacle of, you know, society. Everyone looks up to you as a doctor, you're a healer, you get to provide, um, you get to teach, you get to lead, you get to heal. And along with those comes pressures, right? So we have the pressures to maintain that everything is all together when most times it's not, <laughs> for one. Two, you know, given the healthcare um, landscape with insurance really running the show in healthcare right now, mm -hmm. sometimes we're forced to look at um, production or like, you know, making sure that the money is coming in versus really, truly spending that time with a patient. So therein lies some tension. You have the tension to be good because you want to be empathetic. You want to um, lend support to a patient. But sometimes the system isn't set up for you to provide that care that you really want to. In addition to that, too, um, we're also finding ourselves like working longer and harder hours, of course, with the pandemic a lot of doctors, actually many doctors have left the field because the strain was unbearable. And they also realized that there, there was a better way. <laughs> there was a better way. So given them leaving, the rest is on the rest of the doctors within the field themselves to pick up the extra load. So the ones who are, of us who are here, we're taking that load on ourselves, bringing that home with our families and sometimes not honoring our boundaries as well, too. So for me, the good doctor is one and a one who did all the rules right. You went to the right medical school. You went to the residency. You climbed to the top. You got there. You did everything correctly. And still, after doing everything correctly, you find yourself not taking care of yourself. You find yourself really pushing aside your needs, not spending time with the families that you've created or really enjoying the life that you envisioned um, right. being a doctor. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. People don't expect that to be a problem. The doctors have a mental health problem. They think, well, if you do, you have plenty of money, you know, go to a doctor, yeah. whatever. But it's not quite that simple. No. How, now, from a doctor's perspective and, you know, based upon your experience, how can one recognize that they are at that burnout stage? What are some of the signs and some of the signals? I know for myself, it took a long time for me to recognize that. I always just pushed it off as me being tired. So I had three kids back to back within four years. <laughs> so with like that came lots of hormones, lots of fatigue. I always called it chronic fatigue. I was like, how are you doing? I'm chronically fatigued. And we, we joke about that. But really, exhaustion, fatigue is like one of the signs as well, too. And really like becoming so disconnected that you can't really be present, really feel really like, um, yeah, just things that used to bring you joy. Like you don't even have time for that. You're literally just burnt out for lack of a better word. I mean, for me, like I said, it was the exhaustion, but even past that, I went beyond that. My child, my second son was the one who brought it to my attention that things were not going well. He mm. said to me one day when I came home late again, because I always come home late, <laughs> he's like, um, mom, you know, you're home late again. Like what gives? And I'm like, well, I'm here helping patients, but he's like, well, you're, what about us? Kind of like, what about us? So that like, Broke me to the core because prior to that I had a miscarriage mm -hmm. and I had a miscarriage. I lost my twins and I brushed mm -hmm. it off. Like I literally, okay, it happened. Check. Okay. I needed to get a DNC check. And the next thing I thought was, oh, who's going to take care of the patients? I didn't even give myself the space or the time to heal and grieve. And that mm -hmm. was right at the start of a pandemic. So miscarriage, um, 
shut down all the things just everything just came crashing down and it, it sucked it really wow sucked. that's it that's amazing and, and and you know it's interesting because i think when we really stop and allow ourselves to think about it and i don't think we do i think a lot of us went right into automatic you know mm -hmm. once things opened back up you know went back to work eventually or stayed uh, back home we were just so glad to have things opened up yeah. to see each other again we really did not um deal with our trauma yeah and we are a society i i think and and it's not just my opinion it's the opinion of a lot of therapists and psychologists we are living in a traumatized society for so many reasons the pandemic was like the tip of the iceberg yes. and now we're getting ready to head into a political season that sounds like it's going to be absolutely ridiculous in terms of both sides going at it and here we are as citizens in many cases in the middle of no control over it just like we felt like we had no control over the pandemic yes. so what is it that uh you're telling doctors in terms of what are the, the steps they need to do to begin to heal begin to uh encode the world differently and to heal with their trauma yeah um great point so I had to come to the realization for myself. I think a lot of us, like you, for me, I was in denial. Mm -hmm. How could this be? Like, I did everything correctly. Like, you know, I still went to the gym. I'm sleeping or I think I'm sleeping well. I'm providing for my family and providing for my patients. You have all these lists of things that you think you did correctly. And I think what you touched on too, like we haven't really allowed ourselves the space to heal. Right. I think for myself, I'm, I'm type A and many doctors are type A. We're always going after the other things. Right. So everything else is outside. It's like, OK, another degree, another accomplishment. It's, it's just go, 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 go. And we're conditioned like that in medical school. But even also um, society. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like the next shiny thing, the next shiny thing. So we're almost like never satisfied with where we are. So for me, I noticed that as an internal um, pattern that I got to unpack for myself. Um, and it's OK, like I'm driven and it's fine. <laughs> but mm -hmm. driven can also drive you down <laughs> if you're not careful. And for me, what I found was, you know, that awareness that I, I got to cultivate, like that allowed me to create the space and um to sit back and really peel, like, what does good mean for me, right? Does it mean I'm going to come home um, at five o'clock? Does it mean I'm going to come home at six? And I mean, that's just a time aspect of it. But mm -hmm. just in terms of my values, like, am I going to put my health and well-being at the bottom of the list? Or am I going to prioritize myself? Or am I going to prioritize my family? Am I going to prioritize money? It just comes down to your values and really sitting with that for yourself and being okay with that. And I think a lot of times, actually not a lot of times, it takes a lot of courage because we're going against the grain, right? As doctors, yeah. we're, we're supposed to put the patient's needs above our own. Like, you know, when you're training for surgery and you need to go pee, you, you literally just stay there with it because we're taking care of a patient. You know, they're life-threatening um, situations that require us to put ourselves at risk. And that's the, the, profession, the profession and the path that we chose. And it's great and it's admirable. But what I'm talking about is the um, always doing it and not like taking that space and time for you, right? Like even in the course of the day, like just to create, I remember we spoke about it on our org talk together, those pockets of peace that you spoke about. Yes, so those yes. little micro moments where we get to breathe. So for me, like I do a lot of breathing 
um, because that's the one thing that I can carry through from moment to moment. It's my breath that's always with me. And then I just stop and say, okay, fine. Like, you know, is this something that um, I can control? So let me just back it up a little bit too. I think when I stepped into coaching as well too, I just realized how powerful our brains are. And that's something that we never really invested in at all, right? We just kind of went the path mm -hmm. and our brains are running the shows for us, right? It's like, we're trained to think negatively or brain recognizes negativity and that's what we focus on, right? Mm -hmm. But just being able to step back and um, analyze that for ourselves, like it has been truly, truly powerful because we get to control the actions of our brain for the directions that we want to create. So, you know, a lot in keeping with the mental health as well, too, just being able to create that awareness for ourselves. And then from that awareness, then we can make a decision as to should we respond or should we re-react? So, you know, that's yeah. interesting. I'm glad you brought up awareness because that goes for any anyone. And one of the things I think that happened after the pandemic is that we kind of let go of the self-awareness and yeah. the self-care because we were just so busy trying to catch up. And in some cases, so busy trying to numb ourselves and not think about the reality of what we just got through living, what we just got through witnessing and experiencing. And, you know, in this book, um, I love this book, it's called The Body Keeps the Score. I usually keep it right here because I'm always referencing it all the time. And in the book, The Body Keeps the Score, it's by um, uh, Bessel van der, van der Volk, uh, who is also an MD. He yeah. talks about how the trauma begins to hide in different parts of our body that we're not even aware of. And then it exacerbates and presents in all kinds of different ways. Um, I know that, for instance, in a lot of midlife women, and they don't talk a lot about this because they don't even do studies on it. It comes with emotional eating. They always think that emotional eating or eating disorders are, uh, you know, with, with young, young women. You know, but actually, no, there are issues of concern around that with midlife women. But because of the stereotypes of midlife women supposedly slowing down, not having a lot of stress, blah, 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 then that wouldn't be an issue. So why study it, right? Well, that makes me think about doctors because people are thinking because doctors are successful and hopefully financially successful, don't have the same kind of financial issues that other people might have, then why would they be stressed out? But I need you to step, <laughs> set the record straight. Why would doctors be stressed out? Where is it that we're wrong in terms of what it's like to be a doctor in this country? I am going to smash that right now. <laughs> I'm going to smash that right now. Let me just tell you, the average doctor is leaving medical or dental school with at least $500,000 worth of debt. $500,000 worth of debt for dental or medical school. And that's not including undergraduate um, or either, either some sort of postdoctoral studies as well too. So he, on average, you could be out a million dollars and that's like, woo, okay. <laughs> so we're not living over here, raking in the dough. I mean, you know, it is said that for us as, as doctors and dentists, five, actually 10 years out of practice, that's when you start to gain the financial rewards of choosing that profession. So many of us, even myself included, for such a long time, like we were still living like residents mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. our bills are high. Exactly. This <laughs> is the reality of life. The bills are high. And then, you know, finances do, does add another layer to this burnout piece as it too, because, you know, for some people who are debt averse, you just want to get it paid off quickly. Right. But Debt is, can also be used as um, a tool. 
to create wealth as well too. So you kind of have to flip your mindset on, you know, what debt is for you and how to manage that while you're in that repayment period, or it can take you down. Like you could just keep going and going, I'm going to pick up an extra shift to get that money down because, you know, the money is running the show for you. Right. 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 Which, which would also add more to your stress. Which would add so, more to your stress. What can doctors do? And also, and I'm thinking as I'm listening to you, it's not just doctors. Um, and in particular, since we talk about women over 40, uh, women in high stress jobs uh, who are kind of traumatized and zoned out, but they know somewhere along with something's wrong, but they're not even taking the time to be self-aware. What can they do to begin to start to be better, feel better? I think um, just even taking five minutes a day to ask yourself what it is that I need. Mm -hmm. And that may be a hard question to ask right off the bat because You've had so many things that you've pushed down for so long that you may not even know what you need. And for me, when I broke through my burnout, it really, I stepped into more of like curiosity and like wonder and like, oh, I wonder if I really like this. Like, am I liking this because my parents said I should like this or society says I should like this and really just getting in touch with who I am as a person and the needs come from there as well too. So that's one thing. And then two, like, you can't live your life according to someone else's standard. And that really comes back to the first one, like being so self-aware in who you are and being secure in who you are as a person. And then you make decisions from there as well, too. So it really takes getting in touch with yourself. And the first way to do that is just to create the space. There's no other way around it. Like if you want to know more about yourself, you have to create the space. Create the space and it, doesn't do take, it doesn't take more than a minute. Like mm -hmm. it. I find that when you step into it and start creating those times for yourself, you actually begin to crave them more. So who do you get to be to create that space and honor that time for yourself? So one challenge I had for myself in the beginning, because I was running from room to room, thing to thing, just all over the place, being a hot mess. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was listening to a podcast and they're like, if you can't find an hour of time for yourself each day, you're doing it wrong. And I'm like, who are what? you? Who does that? Yeah, I was like, who can find an hour of time for myself every day to like, you know, spend that time just to decompress? And I took the the podcast host um, challenge on for myself and really stuck to like a time like at eight o'clock in the night. Like computers are off. It's just just zoning out. I'm not really zoning out, but just really like um, taking that space for myself. And what I found was that. Um, I got better at prioritizing my time, the things that could go away to the wayside, you know, either i.e. being delegated or deleted. I was so happy to get rid of them because that time for myself, like I began to crave it. And once you begin to crave it, like you want to see like ways in which you can create more of those spaces for yourself. So it's like he said, if I couldn't spend an hour of time for myself that day that I was doing it wrong and I was like, I want to prove him wrong, right? So how else can you prove yourself to use less time to do the same things that you could get done? You can make it into a game. So I asked myself some days, how can I, you know, have fun doing housework, but also spend time with my kids, right? Not like either or like, oh, I have to spend time with my kids or I have to spend time cleaning wow. the house. How could I combine both of them too? It's like looking for ways to really tap into to both of those things for myself. And that's what I found for me. 
Now, these are all great ideas. But my question is, how does one get motivated and inspired to try these new things and to still keep doing their job as a doctor or whatever their high stress job might be? Oh, that's a good question. I think at my lowest point, um, because I'm a caregiver by nature, and it means I have the tendency to put other people's needs above my own. Right. So I really have to sit with that for a bit. <laughs> if I keep putting other people's needs above my own, I will have nothing left to give to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So what would it look like for me to for uh, have like an an abundance <laughs> of things to pour into other people? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I got broken down to my core because my son said it to me. And I, you know, like I said, I lost my twins and it was heartbreaking because I lost babies and it was almost like it never happened. Mm -hmm. And the children that I had in front of me, I wasn't pouring into them. So it was kind of like, what was the point, right? Mm -hmm. You went through heartbreak. Someone here is breaking your heart. Like, when are you going to stop? And it doesn't have to be as drastic as that. For me, I got brought to my knees because my child was like, hello, what's the point of having us if you're not going to be able to spend that time with you? Right. Um, so that's just something for you to be aware of as a care provider, because you're always going to have that tendency to put others above yourself. But the question that I beg you to ask yourself is, you know, how can you keep giving from a cup that's empty, mm -hmm. right? There'll be nothing left to give. So I had to flip that for myself, making sure that I'm overflowing so I can pour into those other areas and really being willing to sit with that uh, in terms of, okay, what does it mean to be a good mom? Does it mean I'm going to spend eight hours with my kid? No, <laughs> who says, says who? Or does it mean that, you know, I have to cook dinner every day? Says who, who makes up all these rules? It's really like, you got to question everything. I, and I found when I started to question everything, some of the beliefs that I had for myself, like, well, woman, you know, clean bathrooms, says who. <laughs> and if, it, if a woman has to do it, why do I have to do it? I could pay somebody to do it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, just kind of finding ways to challenge the, the beliefs that you've taken on unconsciously, because Really, we're all drink. We can all be drinking the Kool Aid, right? Like absolutely. And, and you know, the thing that's really interesting about you is that you have taken things even a step further in terms of putting your message and your money where your mouth is. Yes, you have come up with a show that's going to be coming up called the Good Doctor yes. RX Show. Tell us about that, and what can we expect from that? Yeah. So first of all, I we can expect you to be there because you have been such a um, generous speaker, guest, pouring into our medical community. So like I said, it's really the idea that, you know, in order for us to be good doctors, that we need to self-sacrifice. And that's just the narrative that's been running the healthcare show for many years. And it worked for maybe a long time, but now with the pandemic and the, the Pandora's box that we opened, more and more people are realizing and recognizing the need for health and well, wellness to be at the forefront. Your health is your biggest asset. If you have no health, you can't become, you can't do the things that you set out to do. So what would it look like for you to prioritize that? So that's part of the message as well, too. But also to challenge the beliefs that, you know, being a good doctor means working longer hours, means doing all the things that the medical system has set up for us, and also finding new ways for us to be healthier and happy within the healthcare field. Because a burnt out doctor 
I don't want to see that doctor. Our society does not need that. And the thing that concerns me about burnout doctors is that um, a lot of, of those who might be considering the profession are aren't are no longer because they're observing everything that's going on and they're like, oh heck no, I don't want that to be me. So it's really important that we find ways to take care of our doctors so that they can continue taking good care of us. Now the um, good RX show. It's a seven-day show. You've got 20 top influencers in yes. the field of uh, medicine and also experts in other fields that could be very helpful in helping doctors get back on track when it comes to preventing burnout and stress. So now, when does this start? Tell us when it starts. Yeah, the show starts January 22nd. It's an online show. Um, so everything is right at your fingertips. You can easily access it through the link that we'll link in the show notes too. Um, it comes in your email so you can watch at your own leisure for about a week and then um, tap into the goodness and the wealth from the speakers um, who are who have pa paved their own ways in healthcare and wellness as well and are looking forward to ensuring that doctors remain their healthiest so that our healthcare industry continues to thrive. That's fantastic. I'm really excited to um, be a part of this project. And I think it's very important and not just for doctors too. Uh, for those of you who are listening, you think, well, I'm not a doctor. I'm, you know, I'm a human resource manager. It doesn't really matter. The tips and things that they're going to be sharing could be relevant to you also, because we all have experienced how stressful it is being a professional woman in the society, even before the pandemic, it's always been stressful. And then you get to that level and you think, okay, I've arrived. But when you think about all the things it took to get you there, there's a lot of trauma there. And all the things to keep you there, there's a lot of trauma there too. So the whole idea of being proactive instead of reactive and getting yourself well in your mind, body, and spirit, and beginning to take a look at what you need to do to increase and enhance your self-care, that's the reason why you want to go to the uh, Good Doctor Rx show. In the show notes, there's information about Dr. Stephanie Goddard, how you can follow her on her media, as well as how you can go ahead and get free access to this wonderful free uh, event that you're going to be doing. Doctor, what is it that you want people to take away uh, with them after they get, get a chance to view and talk with or, or listen to all these wonderful experts? Could you hear my question? No, I, we... We, we, went, we went off again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no problem. I was just asking you, what is it that uh, you would like people to be able to take away uh, from going to your event? What, what, do, what kind of key learnings do you want them to have? Uh, the key learnings would be um, health is your priority. Um, don't wait for your health to decline before you take charge of it. And to um, continue to create ways in which you are experiencing joy. I think for me, I tapped out of my joy just trying to be all the things and fill all those spots for everyone without actually pouring into myself. So self-care is key. And part of that is really creating that awareness for yourselves. And once you tap into who you are <clears throat> and flowing from abundance, like that's when the magic happens. So for me, it's really... 360. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I think those are all wonderful things that are achievable. I'm encouraging everybody who's listening to this podcast, share this with a friend and then go with a friend to this wonderful event. It's called the Good 
Dr. Shell. There's going to be 21 experts in the field, medical field, and also in other fields that could be helpful when it comes to people who want to overcome burnout and stress. Dr. Stephanie Dostander, thank you so much for being here. It's been wonderful having you here today. Thank you so much for having you, having me. The pleasure has been yours. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all of you for tuning in at the Vibe Living Podcast. You know, I love to talk about whatever has to do with women and what we can do to vibe, to be more vibrant, intuitive, beautiful, and empowered in midlife. So please join me on the next podcast because I love the idea of spending this time with you and getting a chance to vibe. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Vibe Living Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment, and share this podcast. Have a fantastic day, and don't forget the vibe. Bye-bye, everybody.